Coming up this hour, we're going to do an update on the coronavirus, and then we're going to talk about what Samaritan's Purse is doing in Central Park in New York. That's coming up next on The Common Good. everybody, welcome to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us. I just forgot what day it is. Wednesday. Wednesday, right? <laughs> you legit- and all of us, Brian. I legitimately forgot what day it is. I mean, they're all the same now. Oh my <laughs> None God. of us have any idea. Oh, man. But it is Wednesday. Uh, like the rest of you, we are in our houses doing our thing. Uh, hoping to uh, give you some information, hopefully some inspiration, and maybe some laughs along the way. Uh, you and I decided we're just going to be really open about this. You decided to go uh, to be to do this show from outside your house, didn't you? Yeah, this is the first like truly nice afternoon we've had in a long time. That's right. And I ran upstairs because I've been recording in our dungeon of a basement, and uh, we've. I walked past the window and the like the clouds had just parted and I was yes. like, I'm going to do this outside. So <laughs> I'm currently sitting outside. Uh, I'm I'm facing the sun as much Sounds as I possibly glorious. can. Yeah. Just soaking in all, all the vitamin D I can. Yeah. I'm going for that. Tomorrow's my day. You're going to hear even if it's raining, I'm out there. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, be a, that'll be a fun show. Oh, that's fun. Well, before we do a little bit of a catch up, let me tell you about something that we're excited about that is happening at the radio station. Because during the coronavirus pandemic, we know that so many businesses have had to close their doors or reduce their hours. And we know, though, that there are also many businesses that are still open and serving the public as best they can. So if you own or run a business that's open and operating, we want to help you get the word out. So right now, Go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. That's all one word, 1160hope.com slash open for business. Fill out the brief form and we'll be compiling all of that information and sharing it with our listeners. And here's the best part, totally free, no catch. You're not signing up for anything. We just want to do this to help you, our listeners. So go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. You, can I just ask a question? You, you said you called it a brief form, which makes it sound like it's a form for briefs. It's, I think the emphasis is on the wrong syllable, right? Uh, uh-huh. it's, a brief, it's a brief form, no? It's, uh, it's okay. a brief form. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I had to think that one through a little bit. It's a brief form. I could be wrong. I just want to make sure people aren't signing up thinking they're getting like free AM 1160 underwear or anything. Oh, we need some of that, though. No, we do not. Somebody Absolutely. call marketing right now. <laughs> no, please, please don't do that. So anyway, we're, we're hoping to provide some laughs, but also information along the way. And with that said, just a little bit of an update of uh, where we're at with the COVID-19, the coronavirus pandemic right now. Uh the state of Florida, I watched a long thing uh, on one of the morning shows today about the state of Florida that, that their governor until this afternoon had still not closed the state uh, right. in terms of like stay at home. Like we've been under this for weeks now. Uh, they were still not. Uh, you've got a lot of elderly people down there, a lot of people still vacationing. Uh, and they were starting to say that because he hasn't done this, thousands of people uh, in some estimations could die. And so Uh, Today, Governor uh, of Florida, uh, he put a stay-at-home order out for the state under a little bit of pressure, but did not close the beaches. And here's an interesting man, one I'd love to know your your thoughts on this, did not close churches. 
uh, said that churches uh-huh. can keep gathering. That seems like a terrible idea. Well, yeah. Why did he give any reasoning as to why? I didn't see that. I didn't. I saw it kind of on CNN under uh, in their description, but. I mean, churches to... churches can make good decisions too, even if even if the government isn't actually requiring them to, they can still make wise choices, and I hope that they do. Yeah, I I think so. I I it just feels like the government. Man, I I would be happy if our federal government just said, "Hey, it's all closed now," <laughs> but yeah, right. uh, they seem not to want to do that. So that was one interesting point. Also, uh, Gov- uh, I almost called him Governor Fauci, Dr. Fauci yesterday, uh, <laughs> along with some others, began to start floating the fact that because of a, they believe are starting to believe that a lot of the coronavirus is getting spread because of people who are asymptomatic. So they don't even know. Right. Uh, and so uh, there might be coming, you know, they always kind of float stuff and you're like, all right, this is what's coming in the next week here. Um they started floating that everybody when they're out should be wearing masks and that that might be coming down the pike. And hmm. uh, while I'm all for safety and I will do it, if they're like, that's your safest move, that feels like yet another step of like, you're like, what's going on? Cause it was only like a week or two ago when I was at the store and I'd see people in masks. And I'd be like, really? Like, are we at that point? And now it, it hmm. might become kind of like the suggestion for all of us. I, that's yet another step where I'm like, I can't believe we're at this point. Yeah, it's funny because you've mentioned for the last couple of weeks that you are all for following regulations about stay at home. And that it, that for you isn't even a fight that you want to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny to me that like the mask thing, though, for you is like, well, that seems like a bit like a bit extreme. Like, that's interesting that one thing feels totally reasonable, which I imagine is a lot of people's experience. Well, that. OK, so that restriction feels totally legitimate. But this, even if it's not a mandate, that feels uh, too far or too much or oh, no, I reactionary. Don't- I, I think you're misunderstanding me. I actually will do it if they say it. I don't think it's overreaction. What I'm saying is if you had told me two weeks ago that we're all going to be wearing masks, I would have been like, whatever, no way. Hmm. Now it feels kind of like, yep, give me my mask. Oh, really? <laughs> like, okay, okay, I got And you. I'm in. And it's just yet another sign. You know, my kids, we get we got an email yesterday, not surprisingly, that their schools are closed through April 30th, and everybody thinks it's going to be longer than that. Uh, just it just keeps getting longer and more like, how is this ever going to end? What does this mean? And you're watching on the television stuff from New York and, you know, uh, the president at his press conference yesterday, basically implying that if a hundred to 200,000 people die, that could be a success versus like, and a catastrophe. Like he's not saying it's not a catastrophe, but you start seeing these numbers and these steps we're having to take. I know it's becoming normal for us, but when you sit back and kind of think about them, you're like, this is just like, like somebody stopped this movie. Like somebody turned this yeah, off because right. it's just nuts right now. Yeah. What do you think of the, uh, I know Franklin Graham's Meredith's purse is setting up these, uh, these mobile hospitals in central park And earlier today, there was a statement and now all at Twitter is a, a bit of flutter about, them inviting any um, Christian doctor or nurse to come join them in this fight. Do you you find any, any rub with the restriction of the person serving must sign some kind of statement of belief? And does that create any tension or, or at least potential concern that that care maybe wouldn't be as universal as it should be? Or are are you following any of that? I, uh, in fact, I think we're going to talk about that next segment, but I don't, uh, I didn't hear that. What? Tell me more about that. I didn't hear that they had to sign something, uh, someone to get care or to be a doctor there. What, what are you talking about? Well, I don't see anything about them having to sign something, but his his tweet and his 
uh, press statement was like an invitation to any Christian doctor or nurse. I think people oh. seeing that specific qualifier has uh, caused some concern, not only around who they will and won't let serve, but also the underlying concern that that might pot that could potentially affect um, the level of care for different individuals based on their own background or religious belief. I don't know. It's, it's a lot, a lot of hearsay still, but I'm, it's an interesting right. conversation. Well, there's actually another part of that Samaritan's purse one that I want to tackle. So let's, let's do the old radio tease and come back on the other side with it because it was also interesting that some people, uh, yeah, let's explain what Samaritan's purse is doing and uh, in central park in New York city. Hey, if you want to find us on Facebook, you can do it at the common good radio show. Uh, you could do that there. You go online, 1160hope.com. And as always, get our podcast wherever it is you want to get your podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today here on The Common Good, AM 1160. For Ian Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. When we come back, we're going to talk about Samaritan's Purse and what they're doing in New York. That's coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us today on this Wednesday afternoon. A couple different places you can find us. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. Find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Find us online at 1160hope.com. And you can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, uh, pass it on to your friends. Uh, do whatever you want with it so other people can get it, wrap it up, give it to them for Christmas. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. And uh, we are great. That's a lot of license you're giving people. Do whatever you want with it. I don't whatever know. You want. Good point. That could lead to some dangerous. <laughs> but we might we might find a remix of the podcast 10 years from now that we we will regret. We will not be happy about it. It's just a little loopy today, but we are uh, we're excited that you're joining us, whether you're joining us on AM 1160 or on the podcast. Well, Samaritan's Purse, we touched on it in the first hour or the first segment. Samaritan's Purse founded or run by Franklin Graham. Uh, what they do, uh, they're a humanitarian organization, a very Christian organization that goes around the world uh, to help in humanitarian uh, disasters. And um, what they are now done is you might've seen pictures of this. They have set up essentially a tent or a mobile hospital uh, that right in central park in New York city, uh, right across from one of the main hospitals. Uh, and it's going to have 72 disaster response specialists from around the country uh, working as contractors for the organization. They include doctors, nurses, paramedics, lab technicians, and pharmacists as well as a technical support crew. And it's really uh, impressive when you look at it, um, but it, it is not coming without a little bit of controversy. Uh, amazingly, this makeshift hospital is going to have electricity, heating, water, and a fully staffed pharmacy wow. and lab. Uh, and, and so hopefully this will help alleviate some of what's going on in uh, in the New York hospitals because they're getting just so overwhelmed right now. But like I said, it, it's not coming without some controversy. Ian pointed out in the first segment uh, that it's unclear right now. And in fact, Samaritan's Purse made it unclear. Their spokesman declined to um, to make it clear as to whether or not all personnel, doctors and nurses, have to sign a faith statement and be Christians. Other people are concerned that it's going to be used uh, not just to help people, but to try to convert people. And then Mayor Bill de Blasio said he's, quote, very concerned uh, because Samaritan's Purse he labeled as an anti-gay group. 
and so he has raised some fear uh, that they are anti-LGBTQ and Islamophobic and that this is going to affect uh, the way and, and what they do there in their hospital, the people they're willing to help or whatever else, or that it just sends a bad message to the people of New York. So hmm. uh, even when things seem really upfront, man, th- there always is this story behind the scenes. What do you make of this whole Samaritan's Purse story in New York? Well, I, I think it's a really interesting philosophical question because Samaritan's Purse, we know, uh, can be and has been polarizing uh, in a number of different ways. And we've covered stories like that before in the past. So in a case like a global pandemic where they're setting up these mobile hospitals at the surface, you look at that and say, that's good. We, we yeah. need more of that. We're grateful for an organization that's stepping up uh, to care for the city, to care for people in that way. Where it does get tricky for me, and we do, I'll reiterate, it's unclear exactly how tightly held this is, but let's say hypothetically, either Samaritan's Purse or another organization actually required you to sign some sort of statement of belief before actually joining the team or implementing care. Um, That raises a whole other set of strange ethical questions, and I'm curious how you would respond if you were at the helm. If you, let's say you're leading this, um, this pretty blatantly Christian uh, humanitarian service ministry organization, whatever, and there's some kind of need like this. Are you, Brian Fromm, requiring volunteers and staff people to sign a statement of belief before they're allowed to actually implement any care or no? Uh, I personally would not, but um, my guess is Samaritan's Purse has guidelines for this because they go all over the country. Right. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, at first, when I read, I was like, they're not like keeping care from people and nobody is suggesting they're keeping care from people. This is about who can work in it. Right. right. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, if it were me, I probably would, especially in the midst of, of something this serious, I'd probably loosen some of that. Um, but it probably comes down to how many people do they have to work it. It's very interesting. Jonathan Merritt was tweeting about this uh, earlier today. He says Samaritan's Purse is running a makeshift hospital in Central Park. Uh, Mayor de Blasio is, quote, very concerned. Uh, And then he links the article, one of the articles we have here. And someone else wrote to him, John Stackhouse, said, as you know, I'm no fan of Franklin Graham, but is there a lot of competition to set up such hospitals? Any redundancy, Mm -hmm. any hint that of any hint that of discrimination against sexual minorities to invoke good old D.L. Moody. I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. Yes. Right. Right. And so Stackhouse makes a good point here saying, listen, it's not like these people are other people are trying to uh, bang down the door. And there's actually a doctor who came out with a statement who works at the hospital across the street who is actually um, gay and, and is not a big fan of Samaritan's purse. And he said, hey, what they're doing is more important right now than kind of the the underlying issue. He said the underlying issue is important, but let's get mm. people help right now. Mm. And kind of he called it the greater good. And so it is, I, you did quote, uh, phrase it as kind of a philosophical discussion here because in the end, I think what they're doing uh, far outweighs the concerns. And it's really interesting that the mayor uh, is very concerned even though he, they're helping the people of his city. I, I do. I find that really interesting. I, I guess I didn't see that coming yeah. when I saw all that stuff. 
See, and I kind of did, and I, you know, maybe I'm just a curmudgeon at this point. I assume <laughs> there's there's underlying tones of some kind of political alignment or some sort of PR angle, which is unfortunate because I think you're right, especially if you're, you know, if you're drawing from like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like right now, sick people need care. So right. I would, ma- I would maybe say to both sides, can we just hit pause on even our deepest held convictions and beliefs about who were like, cause you, you know, pastor a church, Brian, that's completely reasonable that you would expect the people that you hire to work at your church right. to be Christians. That's, right. that's a completely reasonable expectation to ask of them to, Hey, do you affirm these sets of doctrines or beliefs or values or whatever? I'm not, I'm not knocking any of that. I do think though, in the time of a pandemic and of an emergency, it is the Jesus thing to do maybe, to suspend all of that for a moment to save lives where right now we're about saving lives and yes, we're not going to discriminate and we're not going to, you know what I mean? Like that to me just feels like this. I don't, maybe it's not obvious, but it just seems like that needs to be the thing. And maybe in micro and macro ways, you know, you and I aren't leading organizations like this. So we get the benefit of just pontificating about it into a microphone. But um, I would hope to see, and maybe we are seeing more and more of, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and, I loosen my grip on this conviction right now for a season because people need our care. And so we're just going to come together for the greater good. And I hope that we see more of that. Absolutely. And so at the very least, I want to applaud Samaritan's Purse for doing that. I mean, setting up a a mobile hospital right there in Central Park uh, is really impressive. But we'd love your opinion. You can read these articles uh, at our Facebook page, The Common Good Radio Show. Well, coming up next an article out of Christianity Today uh, entitled this, Social Distance Ministry, uh, kind of dealing with pastors having to figure out how to do ministry in this age of social distancing, and that this might go on for a while. So as two pastors, we're going to wrestle with that a little bit. Uh, That's coming up next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hi, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. Find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter, at Common Good Talk, online at 1160hope.com. And you can find our podcast, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, Subscribe, rate, review. And uh, we are grateful for those of you, even in this time of social distancing and this time of staying at home, uh, hopefully our podcast or our radio show is helping you a little bit, uh, giving you information and maybe uh, some laughs along the way. Uh, At Christianity Today, they did some research and wrote an article called Most Pastors Bracing for Months of Socially Distant Ministry. This is some Barna findings that we're going to talk about. But before we do, Ian, why don't you tell us about our friends at Thrivent? Why don't I, Brian? That's what I said. Um, why? Just why don't you? Just why don't I? Do why haven't I already? I. You should be doing it right now. I should. I shouldn't be stalling <laughs> or in any way <laughs> filling time with anything other than words about Thrivent. So Thrivent Financial, uh, Fortune 500 non for profit, been around for over 100 years. I've been a member for a better part of a decade. Really great. You probably heard other spots during this show. They came alongside me when I was a pastor in Bartlett and helped us put on a workshop and then came and trained our people in whatever area we needed training in for free. That was amazing. And uh, if you're looking for a career change, I know a lot of people in the midst of all of this craziness uh, most certainly are. I want to recommend you check out Thrivent.com slash careers. That's Thrivent.com slash careers. Even just to check it out, if you're entrepreneurial, you like coming alongside people or you just want to, you want to test the waters. You can also call 
598-2128. That's 630-598-2128. And uh, I think that you will be really pleased that you did. So this article at Christianity Today, you can find it on our Facebook page. Uh, Most pastors bracing for months of socially distant ministry. Uh, And so this article starts this way, as the U.S. outlook around the coronavirus pandemic changes day by day. Isn't that true? Yeah, no kidding. Pastors are quickly adjusting their expectations about how the disruptions will impact their ministry. Uh, It talks about a specific pastor here, and it says, This pastor, Tyler Braun, worries people will be forced to experience grief in isolation, lose out on finances, and face the coronavirus restrictions well into the summer. So a new survey by Barna Research found over the course of just a week, most church leaders went from thinking they'd be back to meeting as usual in late late March or early April to projecting the changes would extend to May or longer. David Kinneman, president of Barna, said there, this, there is this realism that's setting in. But while most pastors are realistic, they're also optimistic, said Kinneman. He said one of the cool things about pastors we've learned over the years is that they are by job description and by disposition more upbeat, positive, hopeful people. Uh, so they're often pretty capable of putting a good face in a tough situation. Uh, and then it talks about buildings and stuff. Let's pause there before jumping into more Uh, as this gets to be like our reality, Ian, from that's not just days and weeks, but possibly um, many weeks or even multiple months, uh, what's kind of been your attitude about your job, about the church? Is it like, all right, let's roll up our sleeves and go? Or are you starting to feel some sadness about it? How are you wrestling with these feelings of being socially distant from your church? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, I'm supposed to put on a good face. Um, Yeah, you know, I think I think of like an oscillating fan, you know, that kind of goes back and forth. It depends on, uh, well, in some ways, it's something as fickle as like just the weather. Um, I've been really impressed. I've been really proud of our whole church and the ways that they've rallied, the ways that they've course corrected. Like we're constantly sharing stories of how many more people are connected in small groups than before all this began. Uh, how many more people are engaging online than before all this began? Like it is pretty remarkable. And that most certainly that like inspires me. That's like jet fuel for me. That is, that's like, okay, let's take this next hill. Um, but then, you know, you'll have conversations, whether it's with friends or staff people or congregants who are like really in the thick of it. And I've had a couple people just sort of text me and say, I'm unraveling. And like that really? as a pastor, yeah, is, is, is really heavy like that you can be amped for the mission and still have like a heart that breaks for your people, you know? And I feel like I've existed sort of in between those spaces because I like change and I like innovation and I like going fast. So in this season, in that regard, like, Oh man, we're having to rethink, we're going to have to re-strategize and it's a lot of collaboration. That for me is really invigorating, but also knowing we got a bunch of people who are essential workers that are facing stuff that is, really weighing in on them. We have marriages that are under mm-hmm. a lot of additional stress and strain. Yeah. We have people that are worried about financial things, loved ones. You know, my buddy uh, officiated a, a Facebook live funeral today and I was watching that thinking, gosh, how, how difficult must that be for the family? So wow. there, there was, there's just a lot in there. It feels like a little bit of a kaleidoscope uh, for me at least because every day is filled with a whole myriad of different like stories and experiences, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know what, as a pastor, I do think my, 
one of my, at least one of my favorite parts of the week for my job yeah. is, yeah, I love preaching and I love all this other stuff. One of my favorite things is ever since we started the church, I stand at the back door of our service and just yeah. like kind of almost old school, just shake everybody's hands and hug all these people. And, and like, it's never like, oh, you have to wait to say hi to the pastor. I just like to do it right. Like just this. And that's, it's like, sounds so simple, but those are just those little things that I really miss that like, yeah, we're seeing cool things online, connections being made, but literally that hug in the lobby or that handshake or that arm around, I'm actually surprised by how much, uh, I know that I like the people of my church, but I'm actually surprised by how much I just miss uh, the the physical proximity to people, not even like preaching, not even like, yes, I do miss those things, but it's literally like the, Hey, let's go to Panera and let's let, let's have lunch together. It's the, right. Hey, let's joke around in the lobby, man. I've actually been surprised how much I miss that. And the church keeps being the church. And you, you, you know, I, I've been impressed by how our church and other churches have been able to keep going and kind of be malleable, but not, man, I can't wait to the day to be able to stand at that back door again. Hmm. I, I think it's interesting too, because you know, the word common in our show uh, is not just about like what we have in common, which is uniquely global right now, but also like common moments, like things that are mediocre or mundane, even like easily overlooked, which I think is exactly what you're saying. Like, obviously there are huge moments where people are having to postpone weddings and trips, but like what you're saying, just the, the cup of coffee at Starbucks or the, two minute conversation waiting in line at a store, you know, like those are the really, that's the kind of stuff that I feel like before all of this, most of us, it was easy for us to just overlook. And I think, I think when we get out of this, there's going to be a renewed sensitivity and passion for like common mundane moments because we didn't, we didn't have them for so long. So they'll become sacred to us. Like it's, you ever watch the book of Eli there, there was a, a scene where Denzel Washington is talking to uh, a young woman who she was born after what I think they called the flash or something. It was some kind of global pandemic. And he was talking about the way that they treated water before the pandemic versus after. Huh. And it was interesting because he's like, yeah, we would just throw it away as if we didn't know how precious it was. I think that's how we're going to feel about like small social moments with one another because, you know, it's easy to take that for granted. And now Absolutely. it's sort of like, being without it, I hope, I really hope it's going to deeply ingrain in us a deep appreciation for like the physicality of being together. I couldn't agree more with that. In fact, uh, I was talking to my oldest daughter yesterday about like, what do you miss? Like what's going on? And it was yeah. really interesting. One of the things she said she misses uh, is literally like walking down the hall of school, <laughs> like wow. just wow. being there uh, and seeing people and all this. And I, I do think that we'll be like you said, I like the way you put it. Whenever this ends, kind of a renewed, like, man, I get to go to Starbucks with so-and-so. I get to go right. to here. I get to, and hopefully that will continue to carry on, even when that starts to become That's normal right. again. Well, coming up next, uh, all week, we've been trying to have some different voices of various ministry leaders, people we've had on the show before. So next, uh, in the next segment, you're going to get to hear from Steph Coleman, uh, Community 412 Coordinator at Community Christian Church. Uh, we're going to hear from her next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, well, one of the things that we've enjoyed doing uh, in this time, we're all in our homes, we're all wrestling with this global pandemic of the coronavirus, is to hear from some other voices, to hear encouragement 
from other people. And so with that said, uh, we want you to hear from Steph Coleman. Steph Coleman is uh, the Community 412 Coordinator at Community Christian Church. She has been on our show before. Uh, So why don't you listen to what she has to say, and then we'll come back and talk about it. As Christians, we are called to be God-focused, Christ-centered, Spirit-led. So what's the next right thing each of us could do? As the days of this crisis grind on, we strive to find some sense of God's plan in this chaos. And for those of you who serve in the medical field, there's never been a time in modern history that the general public has felt your contribution so keenly. The rest of us, we are frankly marveling at your efforts and the dedication they take. And people in pastoral positions, we feel especially responsible to offer words of wisdom and insight in this period of uncertainty. But if they're anything like me, they feel woefully inadequate. It's easy to think that if we don't have a medical degree, then we have nothing to offer in this time as Christians. What use is our faith right now? But as the rest of the world veers and reels from shock, we who follow Christ have always known that the world and its governments are going to fail us. Our hope has never been solely in them. So when our doubts overwhelm us, as mine did at 3.41 this morning, waking me and sending me tossing and turning on the waves of the news, what we're called to do is simply the next right thing. And I know that's going to look different for each of us. For those of us who are parents, it's helping our children find a sense of routine and normalcy, one that isn't just simply hours of screen time. It means taking time to hear our children's fear without dismissing or demeaning it and asking ourselves how we can provide empathy in this time. It can also mean mobilizing your children to volunteer from afar. You can contact a nursing home about reading out loud to their residents via FaceTime or Skype, or make cards to send to them. Or maybe it means opening your house to a child whose home life isn't safe. As a parent, what's your next right thing? For those of us who are blessed to work from home, we need to stay home. But while we're there, we can call our congressmen and women to demand equal pay for our essential workers. You can send a gift card to a friend whose income has been cut by 50% or more, as one in five Americans are experiencing right now. It can mean donating extra supplies to hospitals and urgent care centers, or to a friend who's making homemade masks, or ordering takeout to support a local restaurant, or buying gift cards from them to save for when times are better. It also means not hoarding supplies, because there are vulnerable portions of our population who cannot afford to stock up. It can mean all of these things at different times. But above all, stay home. I mean, I know, I know you're getting anxious and restless. I feel you there. I really do. But we can do it. We can do this. Because staying home helps flatten the curve. This is especially important to me because I'm immune compromised. I mean, I seem relatively healthy. But I've been on immune suppressants for a couple of years because I have an autoimmune disease. And that means that I have an underlying condition that makes it risky for me to be out in public. You probably know someone just like me. And if you go out more than you need to, it's dangerous for them and for me. So even if you think you would survive the pandemic, we're called as Christians to think of each other first. So what's your next right thing? For those of you who can't stay home, thank you for your service. 
you're stocking grocery shelves and manning drive throughs and serving in the police or fire or EMT or in one of our nation's thousands of healthcare clinics and emergency rooms. Your next right thing, it might simply be to ask for help. A takeout meal, groceries, encouraging cards, we're here for you. We want to know how to help you. So what's your next right thing? Whatever it in whatever it is that ends up happening, there's no doubt that this pandemic is going to change the world. We've already seen that. Churches are scrambling for a new normal in the wake of the social distancing and the quarantining. But we, the church, we have a clarion call to offer the world. Relationships matter. We matter. You matter. Every person matters. And the thing is, the church has always known that. I mean, this isn't the first time the church has had this opportunity. Throughout history in the Western world, the church has been on the forefront of fighting diseases. They established the very first hospitals, caring for the poor and the sick and the dying. And we can and must do that again. And connectedness is more important than ever as loneliness spikes. We can offer connectedness. You can schedule that phone call or video call with your friends or your small group. You can write cards to relatives who are socially distancing because their lives depend on it. You can donate to causes making a difference. But above all, champion the people around you and their health. As Christians, we know what it's like to hope beyond present circumstances, and we can offer that to the world. Because now is the time to use our resources of time and energy and money to help our neighbors all over the world, to know about the love that motivates us, this hope that energizes us, and this faith that galvanizes us. We are God-focused, Christ-centered, and Spirit-led So what's the next right thing you can do today? Well, Ian, I know that that you know, Steph, she's kind of in your network of people. Uh, So my guess is what she said didn't surprise you. But what were some of your takeaways from what she had to say? Yeah, the first, you know, being what's the next right thing to do? I've I've always been, I've heard that a number of times and I'm always challenged in a new way by it because I think when something this, when we're facing something this big, at least for me, my brain goes towards all possible solutions and like aiming at the finish line, which in some cases is really good. Sometimes you want someone that's like thinking about all the way to the end. Um, But that call to think about, all right, we we may not know how this is going to look a week, two weeks, a month, two months from now. What is the next right thing to do? Uh, Man, pandemic or not, I think that's just a good question to grapple right. with, you know, because sometimes our careers aren't where we thought they would be or our relationships aren't where they thought they our house or salad, whatever it is. What's the next right thing to do? Like I, for a long season, even made that a part of my prayer life. Like God, just, I don't need to see the whole thing. You know, I, I heard a pastor years ago, he said something like, the psalmist says that the word is a lamp unto our feet, not a headlight. Mm. Like. It, it shows the next right step. Put one foot in front of the next. You might not see the whole road, the whole journey, but be obedient in the here and now with whatever you have. And I, it, in every season, I'm convicted in a new way by that. That's really good. I hadn't thought about that because not a lot of us are spending our times uh, this day, you know, this week or next week thinking about where is our church or organization yeah. going to be five years from now, right? Uh, it's kind of like, 
what's the next thing? I really like right. that. And, and, and that call at the end there, that those who are in need ask for help, yes. even though that can be really difficult sometimes. You've done a good job of helping us realize that sometimes it's asking too much of those that most need it to ask for help, but still to make that call. Like if you need help, this is a really hard time. Ask for that help and uh, don't go at this alone, I think is a really important call. Yeah, and, and remembering Grant Stencil's uh, ABCDs from yesterday's show, if you don't yep. know what I'm talking about, go and listen to it because they were really helpful, like four steps. I gave them to a friend earlier today, and he was like, wow. I'm going to write those somewhere. I'm going to see them every day. That is so helpful, memorable to me. So, yeah, I think you're right. Ask for help, but also let's keep checking in even if yes. we think all of our friends are fine. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you to Steph Coleman for doing yes. that. We are greatly appreciative uh, to hear other voices. Well, coming up next... Uh, I'm going to talk about something that's going on on Google during this coronavirus pandemic, and I want to uh, have a little conversation about it. We're going to do that next here at The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everyone. It's Ian Simpkins here, and I remember the first time that I actually learned about Thriving Financial. I was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and me and two other pastors had this dream, this idea to better care for the marriages in our communities. And so we started to dream up this conference idea. What if we actually hosted a local conference to pour into marriages and couples in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our communities? And Thrive and Financial kind of came alongside and not only like made the conference possible, but they were actually interested in partnering with us as churches, as pastors, to help people not only be wise with money, but to live more generously, which was always a value that I had and always struggled to find organizations that actually wanted to help our churches do that. And so that's actually kind of the beginning of what's been a really beautiful journey and relationship with Thrive and to actually be wise with money, to live generously, and to help other people do the same. And so if that interests you, I'd encourage you to go to Thrivent.com to learn more. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about something interesting happening on Google. And then Chris Lash, Dean of University Ministries at Judson University, is going to give us some encouragement. You're listening to The Common Good. everybody, welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday evening. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show and on Twitter at Common Good Talk, online, 1160hope.com. And as always, find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, Before we get into this article about Google, uh, let me remind you that during the coronavirus pandemic, we know that so many businesses have had to close their doors or or reduce their hours. But we also know that there are still many businesses that are open and serving the public as best they can. So if you own or run a business that's open and operating, we want to help you get the word out. So right now, go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. That's all one word, 1160hope.com slash open for business. Fill out the brief form and we'll be compiling all of that information and sharing it with our listeners. And here's the best part. It's totally free. No catch. It's a service to you. So go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. I'm excited that we're doing that. I know we keep saying that, but every time I read it, I'm kind of proud. Like, okay, I'm <laughs> glad we're doing this. You, you should be proud. I, <laughs> I didn't do anything for it. <laughs> That's true. Touche. So you should not be proud. So I found this interesting article at the Christian Post, and it simply says this. 
uh, Google searches for prayer skyrocket amid coronavirus outbreak. So let me read this, and you tell me if you're at all surprised by this. Does this tell us anything, or is this much ado about nothing? Uh, the number of searches on Google for the word prayer have greatly imp- increased over the past few weeks as the coronavirus has garnered headlines, according to a research paper. Uh, Jeanette Sinding Benson, associate professor at the University of Copenhagen, uh, released a preliminary draft of a paper on Monday t- entitled In Crisis We Pray, Religiosity and the COVID-19 Pandemic. Uh, the analy- they analyzed internet searches for prayer in 75 countries and reported that search intensity for prayer doubles for every 80,000 new registered cases of COVID-19. In times of crisis, humans have a tendency to turn to religion for stress relief and exp- an explanation. The 2020 COVID-19 pandemic is no exception. I document that Google searches on prayer have skyrocketed during the month of March 2020 when COVID-19 went global. So let me stop there. Uh, Not so much the Google part, but are you surprised or does it seem really natural to you that people would be more searching out prayer, kind of reading about prayer, talking about prayer in the midst of something that we're going through right now? Now, It doesn't surprise me. I would be curious to know like what about prayer people are searching? Like, are they, are they searching how do I pray or what to pray when this happens or, you know, prayers of a particular faith tradition? Like that would be super interesting to me to know what exactly, like we're doing a series coming up uh, in a few weeks on the Lord's prayer, walking people through the Lord's prayer and how to actually, what these different kinds of prayers, what is, uh, adoration or intercession or petition. What, what are the, what do those things actually mean? They're not words that a lot of us necessarily use anymore. I'd be really curious to know what exactly, what exactly accompanies the word prayer when people are searching it and what kind of help, because I don't know as a pastor, what kind of questions you get. I'm amazed at how many times someone will ask me a question and I just feel completely over my skis and answering it. And then I'll Google a little bit. And I'm like, oh, here's a good resource. Or here's someone yeah. who already blogged about this better than I can put it. Or like, there's a lot of information on there for sure. It makes total sense to me that, in, you know, in the midst of fear and uncertainty, that would drive a lot of people to want to know more about prayer. My hope is that it actually translates to actual praying and not just, you know, learning more about prayer. Yeah, absolutely. So she went on to say, I find that the intensified searches on prayer during the COVID-19 pandemic is global. It occurs on all continents and for Christians and Muslims. Even Mm -hmm. Denmark, one of the least religious countries in the world. I never knew Denmark was one of the least religious countries in the world. Mm. But even Denmark sees systematic increases in Internet searches on prayer. The surge mainly coincides with increases in the registered cases of the COVID-19 rather than surge in death rates. Prayer intensity also rises in countries that have only recently been hit by the pandemic themselves. So that makes sense Hmm. that as it gets introduced into your country and starts to spread that that's this uh, rise in prayer. It goes on to talk about the rise in people uh, watching church services. Um, Joel Osteen's church had 4.51 million people tune in throughout their weekend across platforms. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) I felt felt good with our number, but man, Uh, (laughs) And so here's, let me ask the question this way then, for those of us who are Christ followers, who believe in the power of prayer and believe in the hope in Christ, knowing that people are out there kind of 
asking questions and searching and kind of there, that's kind of the trajectory when things go bad. How would you as a pastor uh, tell your church uh, to best navigate this? Do we offer to pray for people that maybe we wouldn't normally offer to pray for? What's kind of, what are some things we can take from this as Christ followers? Uh we like acronyms a lot at our church because they're helpful and they uh, kind of stick in our brain. So one of the acronyms for prayer that we talk a lot about are uh, ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. Um, at the very least, that's been a really helpful resource in helping people kind of frame their prayer life a little bit, at the very least as a, as a starting point. And I like that adoration is at the very top because a lot of times, um, especially during times like these, we run right to requests, right? Like it's like, mm-hmm. dear God, please do this thing for me. And that's not to say that I don't think God uh, loves that too. I think keep bringing our requests. I mean, scripture literally tells us to do that, but there is something about starting first with just recognizing uh, God, how, how good you are. Um, and that I'm really even grappling with the fact, maybe the question to ask is, do I love God or do I just love the stuff that God does for me? Like that's always, I think an important question to, to grapple with. And then the confession piece is another thing that I feel like, you know, a lot of our liturgical brothers and sisters do a much better job at this where we're maybe not spending enough time actually being honest before God about the stuff that we really messed up in or the stuff that we really fell short on or, you know, that kind of stuff gets easily overlooked. I think in times of a, of a pandemic, as with the tea, which is Thanksgiving, a lot of times we really struggle to be thankful, you know, for what, what we do have. That doesn't mean we still can't bring all of our needs and fears and worries to God. But I think there is also a helpful counterbalance to say, okay, but there are still a ton of blessings in my life that are really good things. And there are things that I have that I couldn't have earned on my own. You know, I just think having those three before getting to supplication is a really uh, helpful model. And I think it's an important thing, especially when so often in times like this, that whole thing gets kind of inverted, you know? Absolutely. I, I think it's uh and for me, reading this is a reminder that uh, people out there are, uh, are spiritually uh, soft right now. They're open. They're, they're wanting to ha- wrestle and grapple. We're all doing that. And uh, I've been, uh, maybe you have found this too. Like the number of people I've heard from who have like, uh, reached out to be like, Hey, I watched, uh, your service online the other day who never have ever asked me about our church or even like come close to coming. It's been really surprising to me. And I don't think that's just out of boredom and convenience. Right. I think it's out of this, uh, there being an opportunity right now to engage people and not to like, you know, I, I'm not saying use the COVID-19 as an opportunity necessarily, but just an, a recognition that people are, are searching right now, that, that, that this is causing a lot of really big questions to be asked. And so maybe now's the time to reach out to people and even take that step to be like, hey, how can I pray for you? And opening yeah. that door, yeah. uh, you might be surprised by how well that's met right now. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're spot on. I've shared before too, and we've had him on the show, Pastor Daryl Malcolm. He's done this his entire life. You know, when we would go out for breakfast once a week for our one-on-ones, he would always ask the waiter or waitress, how can I be praying for you? And I was always amazed at how many times people said yes. Almost never did they say no. And I think you're right. Even more so now, people are really receptive, even if they're not interested in going to your church or visiting for East, any of that stuff. Still, I think you're right. This is a, a good time, I think, to be forthright at the very least in offering to be that for people. 
Absolutely. So you can find that article out of the Christian Post uh, at our Facebook page, The Common Good Radio Show. Well, coming up next, someone who I believe has been on our show twice, uh, the Dean of University Ministries at Judson University, Chris Lash, uh, is going to come on and hopefully share some words of encouragement in the midst of all that we're going on. That's coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, Find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. You know, with these uh, kind of strange times we're in right now, as we're all at home kind of trying to process all the news we're seeing with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we've been trying to have different voices on our show Uh, people who've been on the show before, ministry leaders from the area uh, to uh, try to give some encouragement. And uh, we are excited to have Chris Lash. uh, uh, Chris Lash try to give us some encouragement. Ian, he's your friend. Why don't you remind us who Chris Lash is? Yeah, so he's the Dean of University Ministries at my alma mater, Judson University in Elgin, Illinois. Also just a great dude. He's He's a deep thinker, but he's also like a real lover of people. Like he's both he just lives in both spaces really well. He's an academic, but he's a practitioner. And I just don't know a lot of people that blend those two worlds as well as he does. He actually just launched on March 12th, sort of prophetically, this um, this guided prayer project. And if you're interested, my wife and I have actually found this to be incredibly helpful. You can text the word prayer project. That's all one word, all lowercase prayer project to 31996. So that's prayer project to 31996. And then every Monday and Thursday, they send out a new guided prayer. We played one last week on the show. And a lot of people said that was just really helpful, especially in times of chaos. So he's, uh, he's going to share with us a little bit about what this looks like to see this season that we're in as an opportunity to pursue Christ. So that is Chris Lash. Uh, He's going to share with us now. Hello, Common Good friends. I am Chris Lash, the Dean of University Ministries at Judson University, and it's official. The lockdown has been extended through the end of April, and we're here for at least another 30 days. Now, this COVID moment has been difficult for so many reasons. It's hard to be separated from family. It's hard to work from home. It's hard to rework our lives around park closures, office closures, no babysitters, no restaurants, no anything. Our lives have been completely disrupted. And as we're all cloistered in homes and apartments away from our hectic routines, I can't help but observe that we, for this limited period of time, it's like we all have become members of a new monastic order. And the interesting thing about this moment is that we all have this surprise space. We have this time on our hands. We're inside, often alone or quarantined with only a few Like, we're suddenly modern-day monks. And I've been playfully calling it the Order of the Quarantines. And I can't help but think that there are some unusual opportunities for us now. I think there are ways for us to redeem the time, to pursue Christ, to welcome the disruption as a way for the Lord to mold and shape us. And so even some questions that I've been asking myself that I would pose to you, my common good friends, are there spiritual routines you've fallen out of in the last weeks, months, years? 
How can this refocus you? How can this disruption refocus you? Are there ways that you've neglected prayer? I wonder if prayer can be a source of encouragement and solace right now for us. Or relationally, do you have some family or friend relationships that could use mending? And so how can you use this space to initiate reconciliation? Like even now, how can you send a text to initiate reconciliation now? Or maybe this reminds you that you've been taking some gifts for granted, that you've been expecting that tomorrow would be exactly like the goodness of today. And this reminds you that each day is a gift. How can you grow in gratitude? Now, I'm not saying that God sent coronavirus to get you or I to be appreciative or to refocus or just reform some spiritual disciplines. That's not how our God of love operates. But I am saying that even in the brokenness and hurt of the world, even in the brokenness and hurt of this virus making its way around the world, God is moving. And when coronavirus brings evil, God can bring good. After all, we worship a resurrected Jesus. And in just a few weeks, we will celebrate Easter, admittedly differently, but we will celebrate Easter, how Jesus conquered over even death and brought life. So where is the good that the Lord could be drawing out of you? How can we follow the monastic tradition to see all joy and love flow out of even our quarantined life? How can Jesus be forming himself in you even now? These are some of the things that we are exploring in two podcasts we recently launched. The first one is our Chapel Daily Podcast, where we aim to be a grounding force and catalyst for connection in these uncertain times. Each day we release a devotional and meditative thought that's either come from Christian history or scripture. And the second podcast is our Guided Prayer Project where we release new contemplative prayers on Mondays and Thursdays. And you can text the word prayer project, no space, prayer, no space project to 31996 to get regular text updates. Or if texting it in isn't your thing, you can visit chrislash.net, C-H-R-I-S-L-A-S-H.net, and you can find all the links to the projects and even submit stories of hope for us to feature on the chapel daily. I want to steward and use this time well. At the end of our quarantine, I want to be more formed in the image of Jesus, be filled with more faith and joy and gratitude and hope. And so I hope even as you have some of this space that you consider our order of the quarantines to be some kind of a backwards Jesus turning death into life gift. Thank you, Ian and Brian. Enjoy the rest of the show. And I really enjoy what he had to say. It really was also, like you said, such interesting timing that they launched this prayer project right before all of this happened. Yeah, uh, We'd encourage you to be a part of it. Uh, but what stood out from your friend, uh, Chris, and what he shared there? I, I think it's a lot of what, you know, he and I have talked about privately and you and I have talked about on the show. It's like the, the falling out of our routines. Like I've heard so many people, we even shared some of it in our staff meeting today, um, that there's just a, a, a disequilibrium. There's sort of a, a sense of like, All right, I'm not spinning out of control, but everything feels wonky yeah. or off or, you know what I mean? Like it's not, and then I think it's a tricky place to be because we know how to deal with like Trump. Like if you, you know, if you, uh, if you cut off an arm, you go to the ER, like that's really clear. 
Um, And if you're fine, then you're fine. And this like weird wonky middle space where I think our rhythms and uh, rhythms and rituals and patterns and schedules are all kind of thrown a little for a loop. And like seeing this as an opportunity to kind of refocus on what's my priority. Don't let the tail wag the dog. I, I just think that that's a really important call right now. Yeah. And calling it an unusual opportunity to pursue Christ, I think is, is a really great way to frame it because it is an unusual, but I don't think of it as an opportunity often what we're going through right now. It's like an unusual uh, break in our schedule. It's an unusual hindrance. It's all these kind of negative words, but right. frame it also as an unusual opportunity to pursue Christ. Like we're kind of all uh, in some way in kind of forced uh, Sabbath right now. <laughs> uh, right. That is uh, in his words, an opportunity uh, to, uh, to use it to pursue Christ. I think that's a great call. And uh, so we hope you enjoyed that. Again, you could go text prayer project to 31996 and receives uh, every Monday and Thursday via text. We hope you do that. Well, coming up next, Gospel Coalition uh, says, church leaders, pace yourself during this quarantine. I think this will be a good word for everybody. That's coming up next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, everybody. My name is Brian Fromm, <laughs> alongside Ian Simkins. You like that start right there? I was getting, Ooh, I was getting tired of the normal start. You would think that you're the one uh, outside right now. Oh, starting tomorrow, man. It, this working from home thing, like, it, it is it is nice, and we're doing it because we have to. Uh, but I, hopefully you guys didn't hear it in the last segment, but my dog, we have this little 14-pound dog, and I, she just went crazy downstairs barking, and I, like, almost lost it. <laughs> like, I oh, jumped. <laughs> the, our neighbor has one of those. So. Oh. Oh, man. I'm I'm currently outside. If uh, if you missed that in the first hour, and I'm staring at their house, uh-huh. and I've never felt more powerful. That dog came out, and it went to like its normal spot, which is like aimed right at our house. <laughs> yes, and I locked eyes with it while we were talking, and that dog just stared back at me and didn't make a peep. <laughs> didn't make a peep, Brian. That's really funny. I've never felt more like a warrior. <laughs> in my entire life. And the same thing, the dog's like, you know, 12 pounds or something, but. Yep. No, our dogs, and we are joking that our dog is going to be the fittest dog, as is everybody else's, because you're getting like eight walks a day. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I'm, that's the case I'm trying to make to my wife, that we should get a dog, but then she makes a better point that we have a two and one year old, and uh, that's maybe not, not the best choice right now. That is, a, I'm with your wife on that one. My kids are going on the all out offensive to try to get a second dog, and I'm like, oh. where's, this even, where's this even coming from? <laughs> <laughs> They're just bored, that's why. It's 100% true, and then they heard about a friend who got one or something like that so anyway find us on facebook on twitter get our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast uh why don't you before we jump into this gospel coalition article uh tell us again about our friends at thriving i would love to so thriving financial they've been around like 100 years they're a fortune 500 not-for-profit and uh i've been a thriving member for the better part of a decade my wife and i both are Maybe sometime I'll talk about action teams. So every member gets uh, twice a year an opportunity to apply for a, just a $250 gift to like do good in the community. Like every member gets it twice a year. I mean, it's incredible. They're just really great, not only with money, but also like living on mission, which is why uh, I've loved partnering with them. But maybe you're thinking about a career change and Thrivent might just be the great 
fit you're looking for. So Thrivent.com slash careers is where you want to go. That's Thrivent.com slash careers or call 630-598-2128 and see if Thrivent might not be a good fit for you. Well, wonderful. Well, at the Gospel Coalition, uh, gospelcoalition.org, we'll put this article up on our Facebook page. Uh, David Gunderson wrote this, leaders pace yourself during the quarantine as we're at home. He begins by, he's a pastor, he begins by telling the story, he's from Houston, about during Hurricane Harvey and how he was running after it, uh, just working around the clock for six weeks, and that exhaustion just ran me down. He said, I sprinted into a marathon. And now he talks about, uh, so he kept uh, sprinting, there was flooding and gutting of buildings, uh, I know this wasn't wise along the way, but it felt necessary. The adrenaline of it all kept me going. Everything was new. Everything was urgent. Everyone else was at full speed. So it was hmm. easy to burn the candle at all ends. In that early phase of the crisis, it felt natural and even inspiring. Uh, it, so let's just pause there for a second. That totally feels like how these last couple of weeks have felt. I don't know if you've felt that way. And this is for pastors, but this is for anybody. Yeah. Um, that it felt like you ra- like we ran for the first two weeks of this kind of we're at home on complete adrenaline. Like, all right, here's what we have to do. Let's get it all together. Let's do this. And it was almost kind of fun. And yeah. I feel like that adrenaline's wearing off. And mm. it's now we're kind of settling in. And that's why I think this article is so timely because he's saying, Hey, be careful. This is a marathon and that marathon's only getting longer. And what he says is I totally burned out because he realized he was, he sprinted the first mile of a marathon hmm. and anyone who runs a marathon, I've never run one, but I'm guessing anyone who runs a marathon will tell you don't sprint the first mile. Uh, yeah. As said, an avid, as an avid marathoner, Brian, I would agree with that for sure. <laughs> you can say that as well. Oh, with confidence. I mean, yes. When I do triathlons, I know that's the case, but marathon, <laughs> you know, when I'm uh, doing Ironmans and Mr. <laughs> Universes, uh, yeah, same rule applies for sure. <laughs> so he says, if you're helping any group, business, organization, or church through this worldwide disrupt- disruption, I can't tell you this strongly enough. Hmm. Pace yourself. Yeah. So let's just pause there. Ian, what is it? A, why is that such an important call for especially leaders to be heeding right now? And B, what does pacing yourself in this even look like? Yeah, the first, he gives the example a little bit later, actually, of when an airplane loses cabin pressure, we're instructed to put the oxygen masks on ourselves first yeah. before helping others, which can feel really counterintuitive, especially in Christianity, you know, because there is a certain sense, and I think it's true, this like sacrificial servant leadership that is obviously at the very core of the message. That's Philippians 2. That's the life of Jesus. That, I mean, that's 100%. But um, it is also true, and we've mentioned this before, and I've had... I, really wise mentors kind of beat this into me that like you can't give what you don't have. So if you're not spending time in the word, if you're not making time to be refilled up, if you're not um, setting margin and boundaries and all all the things that like I like talking about, but often struggle to actually do. um, So I think, I think it does. I think the metaphor of a marathon versus a sprint is a good one. Uh, I think recognizing even that Jesus himself often retreated away from the crowds, Mm -hmm. like, if Jesus himself needed to, then maybe, maybe we also need to rest and pause and step away for a moment. Um, and he talks a little bit later about 
like obviously sacrificial servant leadership is a good thing. It's the way of Jesus. It's the only path to true greatness in God's book. Uh, he says, but don't stay in crisis mode for long. Be disciplined, not only to rest, but to create new patterns and rhythms. Disruptions like the one we're experiencing will put your mind on a treadmill that keeps your spirit churning, even when you're not actively working or worrying. It will eat you up and wear you out while your adrenaline and your noble desire to serve keep you blind to the burnout that's chasing you down, which I feel attacked, Brian, is what I'm going to say. I feel, <laughs> I feel like Gunner here really has Gunner came for you. <laughs> he's coming. He's gunning for me, man. I, like, I totally get it. And I, it's a blessing and a curse because I feel like my adrenaline tank is, is pretty big, um, which also means that I tend to hit walls hard um, yeah. because, because I wasn't paying attention to my own kind of internal rhythms and the wise people around me, they're like, Hey, you seem extra irritable right now. (laughs) Uh, I also think just really anecdotally at our base level, you know, we know that we're called to love people and none of us love well when we're sleep deprived, when we're exhausted all the time. Like if the call to love is central to who we are called to be, um, I don't think you can do that well in a, in a state of constant exhaustion. And I think his, I think his wisdom here is, uh, is well put. Absolutely. Let me read to you his last paragraph or his last section. He says, Hurricane Harvey taught me what pastoral ministry has continued teaching me. The job is never done. There's always more to do than you've already done and less time in the day than there was an hour earlier. Hmm. You can cross task after task off your list, but you'll never cross out a crisis. Only God decides when a crisis ends and normalcy resumes. So don't wait till the job is done to rest. Work Hmm. hard, serve people, trust God and rest well. God will be working while you rest and the work he's assigned you will always be there when you wake up. You can sprint into a marathon, but you can't sprint the whole way. So get oriented, stay hydrated and take the long view leaders pace yourself. I feel like this was an article that I needed to read because it's not just, it's not just the adrenaline, but there's also that feel now that those of us who aren't used to working at home, I don't know if you're feeling like this at all, like this, I'm supposed to be doing something right now. I, I should yeah, probably yeah. be doing more. I should probably do this. And like, there's this, also this treadmill feel of like, it's not like, it's never over. Like right. it's never, you've never, you, there's always something else to do. And that's been for me, at least a little disorienting in all of this. Well, and I do, I got to give props to my wife again, because she's so good at being mindful of, okay, we get that you, you know, you got to be in the basement doing whatever it is that you do. And you got a lot on your plate and you got, you got to run fast right now. Um, but we also like, this needs to be a no phone time right now, or let's mm. be really mindful to just be present with the boys or let's, is there any chance that you can write that email an hour from now and just have lunch with us? You know, just, she's really intentional about prioritizing what I would probably deem the more important things. Um, when you're in the tunnel, it's hard to, it's hard to see that sometimes. And I think, you know, part of what he says here in the middle of the article that like Jesus's whole ministry was a crisis. Like don't, pretend that your your work and your responsibilities are are of more value than Jesus's and if he had the capacity and the wherewithal to pull away and step aside and hit pause maybe maybe we need to too absolutely so you can read that article on our Facebook page uh, it's from the Gospel Coalition well coming up next we're going to take that chance again we're going to try to give you some laughs we're going to end this show with interweb insanity that's how we're going to do this next year on the common good am 1160 hope for your life 
Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here. And after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of piqued with regards to what kind of organization this was. And it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality. It was just their heart to give back, to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Ian Simpkins. I'm Brian Fromm. And that music can only mean one thing. Uh, It is interweb insanity. It is time to read stories that our executive producer, Keith Conrad, or our producer, uh, PJ, have found. Uh, We are going to read them sight unseen. Hopefully they're funny. We've had some funny ones this week. We've had some uh, some little cringeworthy ones this week, but uh, we're going to go with them anyway. And I like to make Ian go first, so go right ahead. I see. I see why now. Uh, Colorado starting off on a high note. Oh, moose euthanized <laughs> after a woman seriously injured. Oh gosh, Colorado woman was rushed to the hospital Saturday evening after a moose stomped her in a peak seven neighborhood in Breckenridge. According to the local wildlife managers, two bull moose spent most of the day in a yard. That evening, the moose were still there when the unidentified woman came out of a home and tried to, quote, guide the moose away. Can you imagine trying to guide a moose away? Bad idea. Or guide him anywhere? Yeah. So other people could leave the area. The young bull moose turned on the woman, knocked her down, and trampled her. She suffered broken bones in the attack. Because the moose showed aggression, the animal was euthanized following the attack. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It's not a funny story. No, not a not a great start to interweb insanity. I think I feel like England's going to get us here. I think we're going. I think we're going to be okay here. Okay. Uh, out of England, goats overrun Welsh town amid coronavirus lockdown. <laughs> Residents of a Welsh town said a herd of more than 100 goats is taking advantage of the coronavirus lockdown by overrunning their neighborhood and eating their plants. Wow. Locals in Landudno said approximately (laughs) 122 Kashmiri goats uh, wandered away from their home in the Great Orme Country Park and ventured into city streets, which have been low on human activity due to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Residents said the goats have been feasting on their hedges and other plants. A North Wales police spokeswoman said authorities believe the goats will eventually leave town on their own and officers will not be responding to non-emergency calls about the animal trespassers. Okay, that one wasn't as dark as the moose. Oh, you're going to like this next one. Yeah, this one's pretty clever. Maryland winery employs delivery dog for curbside pickup. That's pretty smart. A Maryland winery is observing social distancing protocol in its curbside deliveries with an unusual employee, a delivery dog. Stone House Urban Winery in Hagerstown has been offering curbside pickup to abide by the government's orders during the COVID-19 pandemic. What's the COVID-19 pandemic again? 
<laughs> Does it ring? Okay, just kidding. It does it ring and, a bell. And to make sure employees and customers keep a safe distance, the deliveries are being made by a 75-pound brindle boxer named Soda Pup. <laughs> Soda Pup. <laughs> That's my favorite part. We've had people call in just specifically to have Soda Pup bring wine out to them, people who have never even been here before. <laughs> We're going to look for the positive side of this. Closing the store uh, will allow us to do things we normally cannot keep up with. We are making tons of wine. We hope to get into the festival in the fall, which means we got to make more wine. Who saw Old Yeller? Who cried when Old Yeller got shot at the end? Nobody cried when Old Yeller got shot, I'm sure. I cried my eyes out. All right. We're going full Florida man here. Oh, boy. Mother shoots burglar who entered home because, quote, dinosaurs were chasing him. Who's going to guess intoxication? It's coming. A Florida man was shot by a mother of three after deputies say he broke into her Deltona home early Tuesday morning because he thought that dinosaurs were chasing him. Uh, According to deputies, 32-year-old Joseph Roberts tried to break into the home around 5.45 a.m., shattering the front window. The woman inside, a 42-year-old mother with several teenagers in the house, called 911 saying, I don't want to shoot him, but I'm going to have to get out of my window, get out of my window. Sheriff Mike Chitwood said during a press conference that the mother gave White several verbal warnings. When he didn't, she opened fire. Uh, When deputies arrived, they say they found Roberts in the house, and he had quite an interesting story. He told us that the dinosaurs were chasing him and he thought he got some bad weed. (laughs) Oh, Florida. All right, this last one. um, Not sure how to feel about this. Out of New York, as population works from home, Walmart reports increased sales for tops, but not pants. Oh, boy. In the age of social distancing, working from home has become the new normal, but coronavirus quarantine has led to an interesting trend in fashion. Sales for tops are up and sales for pants are down. Millions of workers typically bound to business or business casual attire in the office are now free to lounge around their homes in hoodies and sweatpants. But tops still play an important role as many employees will get semi-dressed for video conference calls. Dan Bartlett, Walmart's executive vice president of corporate affairs, told Yahoo Finance that the company has seen a spike in sales of tops, but not bottoms. So people... Who are concerned, obviously, from the waist up, Bartlett said. (laughs) These behaviors are going to continue to change and evolve as people get accustomed to this new lifestyle, if you will. Do you know you're not wearing any pants? I think they took a shot at hoodies there. Yeah, I I thought you were going to maybe take that one personally. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Well, we're glad that you joined us. We're going to be with you again tomorrow. Uh, For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. 